pray. Father, thank you for a new day. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do his work of teaching us and opening things up to our understanding and insight about the Lord Jesus. Let him take those things that are Jesus's and reveal them to us, Lord, today, I pray from your word. God, help us to honor your word by letting it say what you intended for it to say, we pray, God. Bless your people. Bless me as I speak and bless the hearer, Lord God, as they hear today. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. a little earlier than we usually get started on the Word, but I, I wanted to share with you about a ministry from Harvest that I'm involved in, because I know there's newer people here, and probably some of the older people don't even realize this, but um, there's a ministry that's been going on for a little over 12 years here, and uh, it's it's an international type ministry because we, we travel. We go into Eastern Europe and Mexico. That's primarily the targets that we have targeted. And uh, I think back, it was a number of years ago, we did a few projects. We hesitate bringing projects. It's, it's better if we just kind of go and be there because when wherever we're at, that's where harvest is, right? I mean, that's kind of the way it should work, you know, we should be there because we are a part of Harvest. Um, we've had outreaches in Mexico, we've, we've done, we, we uh, bought computers for a school in Romania, a Christian school in Romania. Uh, during the COVID time, we, we was able to uh, collect funds, not only just from Harvest, but from the community, and we sent food into uh, primarily uh, uh, Romania and Ukraine during the you know the war that's been going on there. We've sent a lot of food in there. I think we sent close to $8,000 worth of food into these places. We have people we can trust that gets it there, you know, and that type of thing. Um, we've helped pastors during the COVID thing, you know, just sent them money to help them along. Some of them, uh, they, you know, they shut down their, their churches. They don't have support, so they, they needed help during that time. And we did that in Ukraine and Bulgaria, Romania, and Mexico. And uh, last but not least, we preach and we teach in, in their villages and in the cities. And, uh, and I'm the one that's been going quite a bit. I've done a lot of this. I've taken a few people with me. I think you could talk to Mary Teresa. She went on a trip. Uh, she, she enjoyed that trip, except she was frustrated because she couldn't talk to the people. But... That kind of goes with it, you know. But you can do sign language and all that kind of stuff, you know. But anyway, that's that's a ministry of harvest. It's called uh, I Water, and I I got that name before I I started coming to harvest twelve years ago this month. I don't know if you knew that, Bobby, but I did. It's it's kind of an anniversary. You can okay. But anyway, I came to harvest twelve years ago, and I was doing this before I came here. I was just doing it on my own. And Pastor Brenneman, when he was here, he found out what I was doing, and he invited me to become like a ministry out of harvest. I, you know, I never thought of that, but he wanted it to be 
a ministry under Harvest where when I go, so I signed a form that kind of committed me to, to, uh, to Harvest in that way. It's kind of a legal thing because, you know, people give you funds to go somewhere, it would, they, they would be taxable if, if I didn't have it under a not-for-profit ministry. So Maury explained all that to me, and that's the way we did it. And uh, so this has been going on for 12 years. And I said all that to say this. I'm getting ready to go on a trip. Uh, the end of February, I head to Mexico for a week. I'm going to churches. I could name all the churches for you where I go. I got about five churches I go to. They're small, little churches. And we, we go into these places. We pray with the leaders. We have uh, teaching for the youth. and We, we spend time uh, ministering to the people there. And I can't really tell you what we'll do because it's always different every time we go. The last time we went, doors opened. Uh, when I say we, I'm going with a friend of mine from Louisiana who was a missionary there for 17 years. We always travel together. And so Harvest is going to Mexico at the end of, at the end of February for a week. So pray for us. And uh, if you'd like to help support us on that, you're welcome to give something through the church. Just make it out to Harvest and say Iwater or Mexico trip. We all know what you mean because I think I'm the only one going on this trip. And uh, anyway, I just thought I'd give you a little update. Oh, I want to share with you one ministry that started out of this. Uh, some of you know Jonathan Fable uh, from Vincent's. He's a barrister there, a lawyer. And Jonathan and I, when we went to Bulgaria on one trip, he got very inspired about the work that, that uh, a, a good brother of ours that I've known for many years, well, I've known him ever since I started traveling for 12 years, uh, Hari uh, Atanasov. He's a Bulgarian pastor, but he's also a missionary to his own country. And he does mission works in the Rodolfi Mountains, and there's like hundreds of villages there that are Muslim. Now, they're kind of nominal Muslim. Maybe some of you remember from your history lessons how the Turkish Empire expanded itself at one, the Ottoman Empire, went up through that region, and they'd come up to a city and say, convert or die. Well, that's not a very good choice. I mean, most of the time, if you're a nominal Christian, you'll convert. So they converted to Islam to keep from dying. And uh, a lot of these villages and a lot of these little small cities are all Islamic because uh, they gave up their Christianity because the Ottoman Empire was such a strong empire and their influence was so strong. So now the Christians are going back into these villages. Uh, Pastor Atanasov is going back into these villages with teams of people and uh, helping them to hear and receive the gospel. We've actually seen one whole village, one entire village, convert back to Christianity. And now we're not talking about somebody waving their hand over them, they all become Christians. We're talking about individuals, one at a time, discovering who Christ is and repenting and coming to Jesus. And it wasn't done by our team, it was done by a man who led that revival from that village. He was the mayor of that village, became a Christian, and he started sharing it with all the people in that village. And even the, even the, um, uh, the Muslim leader, the, that was in that village, he became a believer too. So they're very, they're very uh, nominal Muslims, okay? And we, once we saw what was happening there, we wanted to support them. So we have a, a ministry called uh, Connected With Us, Harvest and all of us. It's called Rodolfi Mountain Missions. And uh, 
live regularly, what we discovered was Hari could only do what he got funds for because he prints literature and he, he, he travels and goes up. These mountains are steep and there's a lot of work to be done there. And he goes up there. He, he needed. So we found out he would get $100 this month and maybe $300 the next month for, for the work that he was doing. But what we did is we came along and we shared with people back in the States about this ministry of Hari's. And people started giving. And so we've set a, a, a particular amount of money that we, he could depend on every month. Every month he can depend on a certain amount of money to do what he's doing. Sometimes it's just to help pastors. Pastors who, back during COVID, there was a lot of people just didn't have any resources. And so they, they collected a lot of food and went around to these villages and gave them food. You know, sometimes... You know, sometimes people don't need to hear a message. They need to see something uh, tangible, you know what I mean, so they can know where your heart is. And so they they sort that out. We don't tear, tell Hari how to do things, but we work with him closely. He gives us reports. In fact, I think just last week I got a, a lot of photos and, and a report on what was going on. So I want to take time to share with you that's our involvement in the nations. I mean, I don't go to all the nations, but the ones that I feel like God has targeted for me uh this is what we do and so that's your part i think i think there's some uh maybe some literature back there that talks about some of these things that i've shared i know up in uh, the office there's a map of ukraine and there's a map of uh, romania and uh we talk about that and i share that with everyone i'm sorry we don't come out and talk about this all the time but i thought you you would like to know what we do in other places you heard the old story about the, the rooster that came across an ostrich egg and he rolled it back to the hen house and he said, girls, I'm not complaining, but he said, I'd like for you to see what's going on in other places. <laughs> and so I'm just trying to tell you what's going on in other places, okay? All right, we'll get back to preaching now. you have your Bible this morning, turn to um, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to be looking at 15 through 31 today, and I'm going to take this in a couple chunks because it's just a lot of scripture, and I, I like to at least read the scripture so you can hear it. I think that's very important, and then I'll do my best to expound on it and uh, teach on it here a little bit. So, verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live, you shall live also. In that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Okay, I'm going to stop there, because the next verse is just Judas, one of, not, not the Iscariot Judas, but he's asking a question. 
And I thought it'd be good to just talk about what Jesus is talking about here. I think if you remember uh, the last time I spoke, I said something about that being the last public discourse of Jesus. Uh, he was speaking publicly. Now here, he's having, this is like a conference. This is like a disciples conference. He's talking to his disciples. No one on the outside is hearing these words. He's speaking these to his disciple, and he has a purpose in mind for speaking these words. But one thing, he's teaching them about what's to come, things that are getting ready to happen. Things that, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, I think before we get to that, I think it's interesting to notice, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It starts with love. Love is becoming the primary motivation for obedience. Love is, it isn't like being obedient, you know, doing what you're supposed to do in order to get love. It's like loving Jesus in order that you might desire to obey him. It comes out of a heart that, that loves God, loves Jesus. And I think that's interesting to note. Uh, the outflow of love was obedience. Coming out of your love for God, you obey. So he said, if you love me, you will keep my command. It's not like a hard thing to do. You love Jesus, well, you'll keep my commandments. You see, that's kind of like, if you love me, well, you'll keep my commandments. That's kind of the way he's saying that. So what would we focus on? Keeping commandments or loving him? Trying to stay in love with him. Um, I like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. I'll just read it here. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. See, the, the thing that Paul's saying is, the thing that motivated him for love was to realize that Christ had died for him personally. Christ had laid down his life for him. And I think, I think that was a hard thing for the disciples at this point to think about. I mean, later on they thought about it because like it says here later, the Holy Spirit reminds them of things and, and explains things to them. But I think at this point they didn't quite realize that Jesus was going to lay down his life for them. He told them that, but it kind of went over them. You know, their thought was that he was going to, he's the Messiah. Nobody can defeat the Messiah. The Messiah will defeat all of our enemies and establish the kingdom of God. And it just wasn't that way. It wasn't going to happen that way. So Jesus is spending a lot of time preparing his disciples for what's to come. We live for him out of love because, as John says later on in his epistle, he first loved us. Remember that? We love because he first loved us. The motivation of our life should be the love of God, that God, we love God with all of our heart soul, mind, and strength. And like an old man said to me one time, if we're supposed to love God, then we ought to be able to find some lovable characteristics in the Bible that motivates us to want to love God. Would you agree with that? It can't be a commandment. Now, you got to love God. Well, okay, I know that. But let me find some, let me find the heart of God. Let me find who he is. Let me fall in love with him because it's real. It's not something that's contrived. It's not something I have to do. How many of you want to marry a man who has to love you? 
I didn't get a roar on that one. How about you guys? How many of you would want to marry a girl that has to love you? No. Love can't be like that. It has to be something that we develop love. We see lovable characteristics and we, we fall in love with them. And that's the way it is with God. We should come to a place where we love him. I know Jesus gave us commandment to love one another. That's something we have to work out, isn't it? Huh? Okay, I got to love him. Okay, come on, God. Show me why I need to love him. Show me how I can love that person. Have you ever prayed those kinds of prayers? You know, I'd like to boil him in oil, but I, I know I'm supposed to love him, you know? You know, you pray those prayers because you want to do what God asks you to do. You pray those kinds of prayers because you love him. You love him. And because you love him, you want to obey him. Okay, I think that. Now, verse 16 and 17, I know we're going pretty slow here, but I won't try to, it's the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Now, there's a characteristic of the Holy Spirit, a spirit of truth, okay? Whom the world cannot receive. There's another characteristic. The world can't receive this spirit, but believers can receive this spirit. Because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now, I just want to take this a little bit and talk about it. The, the, he, in my Bible, it calls him another helper. Okay? A helper. The, the, some Bibles may say comforter. Okay? Some Bibles might use the word advocate. It's actually, it's actually the Greek word that comes from advocate. It's an advocate. And, um, you know, you got all these words, you're like, okay, what does, what does these words mean, you know? Well, I, the best definition I saw, it's like, it's like having someone in your life that's right there saying, don't worry about them. It's okay. No matter what they say, don't worry about them because you're standing where you need to be. It's somebody speaking words that encourage you to be strong and to be able to do the things that you've been asked to do. We see examples of this in Scripture where uh, I, won't, I don't know exactly where the Scripture is. Uh, you'll forgive me, but even, the, even uh, the Apostle Paul did this. He'd pull Scripture some, somewhere, you know, and I, I'm going to do this. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I, those of you might know that, but I can pull a scripture out, and it's when Peter stood up, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to speak. You remember that in the Acts? He stood up, filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Peter was the guy that always ran away. Peter was the guy that, that you know, that shrunk back a lot of times and got into other things. But there's times when the Holy Spirit, the helper, came, and he stood up and began to speak the things that God wanted him to speak. You have to cooperate you have to cooperate, but the Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the one that comes and encourages you to get up and do this right now. And it makes perfect sense to you. Yes, that's what I should be doing. And you do it. And then after it's over with, you go, wow, I can't believe I did that. Because the helper did this. I, I like to call the Holy Spirit an encourager because I think that's, that's more what he does. He encourages you to do the things that Jesus would have you to do. And because you love Jesus, you want to obey him, and so the Holy Spirit helps you to do that. Okay, we following me now on that? John's gospel is a unique gospel 
in that it shares much about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. I, I think that's interesting because, you know, you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke mentions a little bit, but it's, it's John that really brings out the coming work of the Holy Spirit and the coming of his, his, uh, his, uh, his purpose. And I think that's very, very interesting because John really put a lot of this down about the Holy Spirit. Luke's gospel calls him the promise of the Father. Jesus even calls it in Acts chapter 1. He says receive the, you'll receive the promise of the Father. It's, the Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father. Now, when the Father promised things, that probably goes way back, way back. That promise was something that was promised way back in the Old Testament. In fact, Peter on the day of Pentecost stood up and out of Joel 2 said, this is what God has promised. And he spoke out of Joel chapter 2. So it's interesting to know that uh, the promise of the Father went way back into the Old Testament. And in Luke 24, Jesus told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. So the Holy Spirit is associated with power. He's an encourager, but he has power to help you to do the things that you couldn't do otherwise. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about later on. We go to, I think it's in uh, chapter 16 of John, we get a little more definition of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to keep talking here, okay? Okay, here in John, Jesus tells us, number one, he will be with us forever. How long is forever? That's a long time, isn't it? He'll be with us forever. This is what he says here. He is the spirit of truth. He's only received by believers in Jesus. He will be in believers, not just with them. That's what he's saying here in these few verses. The spirit is the spirit of Christ. So you'll, you'll sense his presence. It's like this. You'll sense his presence and it's like you'll, you'll get the sense that you're with Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, I know none of us have ever been with Jesus, have we? Obviously. But the disciples had been with Jesus, and they knew what it was like to be with Jesus. And so when the Holy Spirit came, it was like, for them, it was like being with Jesus. They, they knew it was Jesus. We just have to learn to know that the Holy Spirit is Jesus coming. I'd say, I don't know what that would be like, but I'd say there'd be a deep sense of peace and a deep sense of uh, not necessarily wanting my will, but the will of God. There would be this kind of a atmosphere around me. Okay? I don't want to get too spooky here, but I thought maybe we ought to just kind of discuss that a little bit. All right. So you'll sense the presence of Jesus when the Spirit is with you and when he is in you. It seems that loving Jesus, now this is what I, this is what I surmise from these three verses. It seems that loving Jesus is a prerequisite for the Holy Spirit coming and revealing Jesus to us. In other words, we want to love Jesus. We want to have a love for Jesus. And by, by loving him, the Holy Spirit comes. It's like the Holy Spirit likes to be with someone who loves Jesus. Who would have thought? Huh? <laughs> I know this is pablum for some of you, but you know, it's... I just thought we ought to talk about this a little bit. All right. The reason why I say it's so important for us to love Jesus. Now, if you say today, well, I don't know that I really love Jesus. I feel that way sometimes. 
You know, I'm thinking, gosh, some of the stupid stuff I've done, I don't know that I love Jesus that much. Well, you know what? That might be something good worth praying about when you're out on the road driving somewhere. Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to see things about you that would make me love you. You know, I want to love you. There's, you got to have a want to. Huh? You got to have a want to. Remember when that guy came to the, there was a guy <laughs> came to one of the right to life get-togethers get here in uh, Montgomery one time. I'll never forget him. He had some kind of a disability. I don't remember what it was. And he talked about, you got to have a want to. Huh? You got to have a want to. And it, for him, his, he had a physical disability, and he was really old when he learned how to ride a bicycle. And I'll never forget, he said he was out there one day, and he was looking at that bicycle, and he said, Today is the day. Anybody remember that guy? Oh, man, that was a long time ago. But, you know, about everything in my life was a long time ago. Right, Bobby? You're a lot longer. Your stuff's a lot longer than I. But anyway... I'll never forget that guy. He said, I'm going to get you today, and I'm going to ride you. I remember him saying, he said, you've got to have a want to. You know, and I think some Christians need to realize they got to have a want to. And if you got to want to, act upon it. Talk to God about it. Ask God to help you with that. Because we should want to love God. And as you, as you pour out your heart to Him in love, the Holy Spirit does come, I believe. You know, Jesus was talking to, um, I'm going to read this, take time if you don't mind. There was a reason for them giving me more time this morning. Uh, Revelations chapter 2. I don't use Revelations very often, but I'm going to use it today. Chapter 2. This is to Jesus talking to the angel of the church in Ephesus. To the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your, I can't hardly read, and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and that you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and you, you have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, I want you to notice here, they've worked hard, they persevered in hardship, they hate evil, they love the sound, sound doctrine, and they hate falsehood, they don't like people who are out there spreading false things, and they've endured for Jesus' sake, but their love is cold. Now, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. If I am, I'm pointing it to me. Your love can get cold when you go on to other things other than loving Jesus. Notice Jesus was talking about, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I think love is very important here in our relationship with Jesus. That's what I'm seeing. I mean, he just had hours before he was going to die hours and his primary interest was do you love me remember when peter failed him 
and he came back, and Jesus was came to the seashore, and Peter's out in the boat. And when Peter came to shore, what did what did Jesus ask Peter? He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? You know, I think Jesus is looking at us today and saying, do you love me? He's looking at Jeff. Do you love me, Jeff? I think that's important. It's out of love for Jesus we obey, and it's out of love for Jesus the Holy Spirit comes and reveals the Father to us and reveals the Son to us. But I'm going to take time to read the rest of this chapter that I'm supposed to talk about today. In verse 22, if you'd like to follow along, Judas, not Iscariot, said of him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Question mark. It's By the way, this is the only question the disciples asked in this entire dialogue or dialogue that's going on here. Prior to that, Philip asked, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough. Brad shared about that last week and I thought that was good. But, you know, now we got this guy asking the question. And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode in him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You've heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes to pass that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Get up, let's get going. I like that at the end. Get up, let's get going. Jesus had his face set. Let's go. I think the Hebrew Bible, or the Jewish Bible, brings that out a little clearer. Well, the only question the disciples had during this conference with Jesus was, what has happened that you're going to, to, to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? See, they were confused. Messiah was supposed to come and reveal himself to the world. They, and Jesus is now withdrawn, and he's just talking to his disciples. I think sometimes, I don't know, I, I read commentaries on this, and uh, there was various thinking on it. You know, they thought it was a military leader. You know, the Messiah was going to be a military leader, and that he was going to have to challenge all those people that are pressing them. And uh, that didn't happen. So that could have been some of his thinking there. But part of it was that that he he had a different idea about how the kingdom of God reaches the world, okay? You don't reach the world by 
standing in front of the world and saying, look, I'm the Messiah, now everybody's got to believe. It just doesn't happen that way. Jesus knew that it was an issue of the heart. And for the heart issue, see, he was wanting to be very clear with these disciples. If they could get this thing and get a hold of what was taking place and not give up and not let go of it and believe him and trust him, they could infect the rest of the world after Jesus was gone. Jesus knew that. And people would come to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. They would come to Christ, and it would be real and genuine. Just like I said a while ago, you can't just command people to love God. There has to be, I mean, yeah, we could say, you got to love God. Well, then you might have to spend the next 10 years trying to press in to figure out how to do that. Some people just fall in love with him naturally. When they hear the gospel, they fall in love with Jesus. I've seen that happen. Sometimes it takes people a little longer. So they was concerned why he hadn't done, <laughs> that he was not going to reveal himself to the world as the Messiah. Love was the condition of revelation. The love of God is, is the condition for revelation coming to your heart. That's what we were just saying. That when, if you want to know who Jesus is, you, you want to love him, and as you love him, God begins to come and disclose. He begins to share who, who he is and that's what Jesus just said here. Let me just read it again here so we get it right. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home abode in him. Love's again the prerequisite for the revelation of who God is and what he is. You can't stand up in a crowd of people. You know, how many times did people see Jesus do things? The Pharisees saw him raise the dead, and all they could think about was getting rid of him. It was almost like those days are over. It's done. We can't, we can't do any more convincing here. Unbelief is so rooted in, it's going to have to take something more powerful to uproot the lies. So Jesus answers Judas' question by saying, you've got to love me. And he will, if you love me, you'll keep my word. The Father's word. Now, I notice here, he said, if, if any man does not love me, does not keep my word, then the words that he hears are the Father's and not mine. Now, I, I was thinking back in John chapter 6 where something like this was said. I'll just read it to you. Now, I don't know. I'm just thinking that this is kind of, of goes along with it. But you can pray about this. It says, Jesus said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. For, verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be, called, be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone's heard the Father's voice and learned which means you open, you open yourself up to receive it, they come to Jesus. So the Father has a, a big role in evangelism. People hearing, you know, I have to depend when I speak in another country, people come in. It isn't necessarily what I say at that moment that's bringing them to Christ. It's things they've been hearing the Father say to them out there in the countryside. 
you know, the Father's speaking to them. And all I might say is just enough to tip them over the edge to come to Jesus. Does that make any sense? This is why I've always argued with people about evangelism. Evangelism isn't our thing. It's God's thing. We cooperate with God. He doesn't cooperate with us. Hey, we're planning on a big meeting. God, come along. We need you there. You know, it's not like that. It's like, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? <laughs> I could tell you a crazy story right now, but I got a lot of them. I had a friend from Florence, Kentucky. He was a pastor friend of mine. I, he was kind of crazy. You know, most of you that know me know I hung around a lot of crazy people years ago. Um, but anyway, this guy was, he was over the top. And I remember, Cletty was his name, Cletty, Cletty Keith. And Cletty and I was, Cletty had meetings on Friday night. It was evangelistic meetings. People were coming from all over the city. It was kind of like a revival or whatever you want to call it. People were coming from everywhere. And one night, of course, the whole community knew what was going on there, that he was having these meetings. And there was a lady that slipped into the back of the church, and she was involved, and in, she was a witch, okay? I can't, I can't make it any better. She was an active witch, and she'd come in to disturb the meetings. And, was you know, she was back in the back laughing and making fun of everything that was going on and the Spirit was doing. And Cletty was there, and they had worship going on. When worship was over with, Cletty got up to the, went up to the platform to introduce the speaker, and he said, folks, he said, I'm sorry, but he said, I just feel like the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, and I need to do this. <laughs> and I don't know where this song came from. Maybe some of you guys that know where. But he started singing this song. Hey, ho, the witch is dead. The wicked witch is dead, is dead. Hey-ho, the wicked witch is dead. And he was, he was apologetic. That woman jumped up out of that aisle and screamed all the way down to the front. For she had said in her heart, if this is real, God, have him sing, Hey-ho, the witch is dead. Now, I know some of you probably think that I made that up, but I didn't. That happened. And, you know, God knows how to, the Father's voice brings people, people listening to that, brings people to Christ. That woman, I, I don't know if you could have ever reached her any other way, but she's a believer now. Amen. That's the Father. The Father draws people like that. Okay. Once again, in verse 26, I think I'll read more of this, if you don't mind. Well, I'm digressing here a little bit. Okay, I'm going to read. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. Peace I leave you with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So, once again, we see Jesus stressing the importance of the Holy Spirit coming. What's he going to do? He will teach you all things. This is reiterated again in the, in the epistle of John. 
where he talks about you have the Spirit which will teach you all things. John knew that. He will bring to your remembrance all the things Jesus said. Well, that's a comfort. There's times I don't know, I don't even can't remember things, and I'm speaking like I am now, and I remember things, and I, I give those out. You know, I feel like the Holy Spirit guides me in that. So, Jesus goes on and says, you've heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you if you love me. You would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now, I had to get some information on this and see what guys who are smarter than me in the scriptures, what Jesus is talking about. Because we all know he's going to ultimately go away. But I think what most of the guys I read about this said, he's not talking about going away back to heaven. He's talking about going away by dying on the cross. See, the big thing Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for was the fact that he was going to die on the cross. Now, can you imagine following him for all those years, knowing who he was, seeing all the miracles, and watching him die such a brutal death on the cross? I doubt if any of us would be saying, don't worry, it'll be over with. In about three days, he'll be back again. You know, Jesus was giving them plenty of of thoughts about him returning to them coming back to them from death, raising from the dead. And he was, he was ensuring them. He says, I'm going to the Father. And now I look what he says in verse 29. If I can read it, I can't see it all. Now I have told you before it comes to pass that when it comes to pass, you may believe. When you see me die, just know I'm coming back again. Believe, just believe, hang on. Then he says, I will not speak much more with you. For the ruler of this world, guess who's still the ruler of the world? It was the enemy, right? The devil. I think... Jesus was preparing his disciples, and I know the next chapter, it's about the vine and the branches, and that's good. It's more about, uh, you know, Jesus is still talking to his disciples in these conferences that he's having with them. He said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. He can't find you remember back during his temptations, the devil left him and said he's waiting for another opportunity. Guess what? He never found it. He never found another opportunity. Jesus only had to go through that temptation one time and he didn't and never he could never find another way to get a foothold. That's what that means. He couldn't find a foothold in Jesus. He couldn't get in there at all. Lord needs it. We need that. And then the last thing Jesus says, that the world may know that I have loved the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. You see, there's a lot of people in the world that know that Jesus went to the cross. And the world needs to know that Jesus went to the cross because he was obeying his Father. 
He didn't, the world didn't, couldn't get, get a hold on him and take him. He did it out of obedience to the Father. There's a difference. You know, where a rabble grabs you and takes you and executes you in a fit of, fit of anger and frustration. But Jesus was in control of everything. God had even planned how Jesus would die. Visibly, publicly, where everyone could see. Because listen, folks, and I've said this many times, if you're going to have a resurrection, you've got to have a death. You can't die in an alley somewhere and come out of the alley and say, see, I resurrected. No, you've got to die on a cross. You've got to die where the whole community can see you and see the soldier putting the spear through your side and see you dead and put behind the tomb. And that was what was necessary so that the world might know that Jesus was following the commands of his father and that he would live when he came out of that tomb. And he's alive forevermore. Amen. And he asks us to love. <laughs> Thank you. I don't get too many of those. Um, he's alive forevermore, and he asks us, if you get anything out of this today, pray to love Jesus more. Pray that when you read the Word, you'll see things about Jesus. The Holy Spirit, will sh He wants to show you things about Jesus that you can just come into a greater love than you've ever had before because that's the way, that's the motivation that we need to obey Him. And it's love. Let's pray. We're going to have, are we having communion today? Okay. No problem. You want to dispense it? I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you that even if we don't necessarily have a Bible scholar's degree, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit to help us to understand who Jesus is. If our hearts are open and tender and loving towards you, the Spirit will show us who Jesus is and help us to fall more in love with him. Lord, that's my prayer today, that every one of us in this room could fall more in love with Jesus. We could love him. And out of that love, do the things he asks us to do in our everyday life. Lord, you never ask us to do things that we, we can't handle. You might give us a challenge, but Lord, with your help, with the helper, we can do those things that, that uh, Christ asks us to do. Lord, like Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Lord, I pray our prayer would be to love you more as we receive these elements today, the body and the blood of Jesus, Lord God, that they represent. I pray today, Lord, we would realize what a great love Jesus had for the Father and that that love can be in us, Lord God. We ask it in his name.